0: Welcome to Inside the Huddle. Today, we're sitting down with Allie Forsythe. Allie is a Los Angeles-based fitness trainer and wellness coach who has worked with celebrities, athletes, and everyday people alike. She was named a top fitness instructor by Time Out LA Magazine and has led fitness classes and festivals all around the world. She also raced around the world on CBS's The Amazing Race and has competed in numerous triathlons, including the ITU World Championships as an amateur athlete for Team USA. Please welcome Allie Forsyth. All right. Hey, Allie. Uh, Thanks for coming on the show today. We're really excited to have you on Inside the Huddle. Um, I know that you have competed at a high level in the sport of triathlon. I'd love to talk about that, and as well as had an experience on CBS's The Amazing Race. Um, And you're also a fellow trainer living in L.A., so I'd love to hear a little bit about your story and introduce everybody to who you are, how you got into the world of training and how that's transpired into your athletic career, as well as professional career. So give us the, give us the alley story.
1: Yeah. Um, where do I start? <laughs>
0: right, exactly.
1: Um. Yeah. It's funny because most people, I feel like I have to start with the obvious. Most people know me as a fitness trainer, know me as a triathlete, or they know me from The Amazing Race. And what most people don't know is if we go, you know, back to to the beginning. Um, I grew up as like a performer. I grew up as a dancer. I grew up as a, someone who liked to sing. I played seven instruments. I wanted to go to Juilliard for music. And um, I, I feel like my story doesn't do justice if I tell my story without telling like the origin of all of it. But um, I got into musical theater because it was like just a good combo of everything. I enjoyed music, dance, performing, acting. And um, I had moved to New York City to pursue musical theater. And I realized very quickly, probably within six months, I was like, this is a political game. And even when you do get a job, it's not even sustainable. And I, I realized it, The reward has to be big enough to stick around for something like that, and for me, the reward wasn't big enough. So I tried to find a new path, and as I, you know, to save money as like a struggling performer in New York, I was working three jobs, and it was nice in the summer. So I got a bicycle, and I from Target like an eighty dollar bicycle. I didn't even know how to change a tube in a bike. Like I when I first flat tire, I thought I had to buy a whole new bicycle. Like I (laughs) should have known that from growing up in Texas. But anyways. So I was riding this fixed gear bike all over New York City um, commuting to try and save money on a subway pass and um, I got involved with um, a bunch of like just kind of like the community cycling group not like the hardcore road bikers you know Um, but just people who enjoyed riding bikes and um, I got involved in running shortly after I moved there as well and so it was kind of like one thing led to the next, led to the next. And, um, you know, I, I was involved in all these different little communities and had made friends in these different communities. And um, one of those people being Kim Perfetto, who we didn't even really know each other, but I got a text from her one day. I was like sitting in a movie theater and it was like, we had known each other for maybe two weeks. And she was like, hey, want to do Amazing Grace? Dot, <laughs> dot, dot, question mark. And I all I wrote back was dot, 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 question mark. And she was like, so let me give you the full story. Anyways, her brother was like trying to be on Survivor for like years. And I think they finally called him. They were like, we saw you have a badass sister. Like we want you to apply for Survivor. Like we think you'd be a great brother sister team. And um, she was like, dope, let's do it. So they applied. And then they called Kim back and they were like, good news, bad news, bad news. We don't want you for Survivor. Good news. We want you for Amazing Race. And she was like, I'm sure my brother would be like stoked. Like he's like, he would love that. And they were like, we don't want your brother. We oh. want
0: <laughs> Oh man. They
1: were like, we want two female cyclists. And like, the way casting works is, you know, she had to have a teammate. And so they were like, send us a list of all of your friends. And so she had to get a variety of people from like hardcore New York, like underground, like urban fixie cat alley cat racer. Like, I mean, it gets gritty down to, like, here's me who just rides my bicycle around New York City and enjoys running and is, like, starting to dip my toes in the water of the fitness industry, because I'm, like, maybe I can teach spin to make money, and, like, maybe I could get a personal trainer certification, and I just, like, enjoyed all of it. So, anyways, fast forward. We ended up getting cast on the show, and um, it was, like, right when we had got cast on the show, I put everything into that, and, um, I was like, this is the biggest opportunity I've ever had. And it's, it was kind of funny because it's like, they, you know, they don't want an actor to go on that show. And like, I never considered myself to be an actor. Um, Was I trying to make it in the entertainment industry? Yes. But I think looking back on it now, I was really trying to figure out what my avenue was um, and like what my creative outlet was ultimately. And um, after like when we filmed that show, I realized I was like, there's so much to reality television with The Amazing Race in particular is where you can like tell people's stories and you can really get to the heart of who people are and then you have this incredible, like, amazing experience, you know, and um, And I like so I start. I was like, and then I had kind of learned a little bit about YouTube and I had just started that was like when Instagram was just becoming a thing and so I had started learning how to edit videos and shoot videos and take photos and I'm like, there's, there's something to unscripted television, like reality TV, I'm not talking about like, Real Housewives and, and that kind of reality television. I was just like, there was a part of me that was intrigued by the fact that you can tell a real story of someone on a show. And, um, and so, like, after we filmed the show, I kind of had, I, I like, couldn't do anything in entertainment, because I had just done this reality show. And, Um, so I went full force into the fitness industry because I had trained so hard to like be on that show. You didn't, you don't know what they want from you. Um, I learned more about fitness training, like leading up to that show. I had got certified through NASM leading up to, to filming the show. And I kind of put all my eggs in one basket as far as fitness goes. And when I came back, it was like, I just dove into the deep end with it and, um, that, that, was the, that was the start of it. That was how I got to my beginning of me being in the fitness industry.
0: That's awesome. So question, I've kind of always wondered, like in shows such as The Amazing Race, you're an active individual. Now, I'm assuming for the most part, you're constantly on the go. And as a trainer, I would wake up in the morning and be like, mm, it's 6 a.m. I'm going to go do my workout. Da da da. So do, well, how do you train on a show like that? you have time to do anything to kind of, no, you're always like, <laughs> you don't want
1: to. The funny yeah. thing is, is like, I don't, I have to force myself to sleep eight hours. Like I'm my internal clock. I'm six hours and I'm good to go. Um, and like, if I do sleep eight hours, it's like, I kind of lay in bed for two of those eight, just yeah. laying there, not even sleeping. When we filmed that show, I, so what happens is you'll, they say go, which you see on television, you go from start to finish. And then when you get to the pit stop, they kind of take everything away from you. They put you in a hotel room and they're like, okay, it's, we have 36 hours at this pit stop. So you're actually timed from the moment you check into the pit stop, 36 hours until you start the next leg of the race that gives time for like the crew to go and do their stuff and all of that you're locked in a hotel room you can't leave and you don't have a telephone you don't have access to the world like you have absolutely nothing you're like waiting for them to knock on your door and be like what do you want for lunch um and the week leading up to filming the show we were in a new york hotel room which was funny because i lived in new york at the time and i'm like looking down over sixth avenue and i'm like i think i know that person but like you're in this room you don't have a phone kim and i kim is a very active individual too like she's a trainer she's a fitness like guru as well. And we were doing um, wheelbarrows across the floor and we would do like sets of jumping jacks on the bed or like high knees on the bed. And like, but then once we started filming the show, it was like, they're like, you have 36 hours. I walked in the door, fell asleep and like did not wake up until it was like time to get ready to go again because you're so exhausted. And they mess with you too. When we started, when we started filming, they had kind of like, finagled the whole situation to where we hadn't slept for 30 hours before the when we started the first leg so like and then on top of that you've got to add time zones in and the actual physicality of whatever you're doing on each leg of the race you don't want to work out
0: (laughs) yeah I mean that sounds emotionally exhausting Um, how many different places you did you go to
1: Um, I think we went to 10 countries we got eliminated before the last two and you film in 21 days. So
0: you're scheduled to get screwed up for too long. Holy cow. That's, um, that's a lot of, uh, stamps in the old passport in 21 days. I'm sure of that.
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, and it was cool too. Cause when they give you your pa- they keep your passport leading up to filming. And so they give it to you like an hour before you take off to start filming. Um, and they try to trick you too, because they have a bunch of visas in there and there were visas in there for places that we didn't even go. So you're like, you've got like 15 visas in your passport. You're
0: like, oh my God. It's one of these places <laughs> am I headed. Yeah. Wow, that's crazy. So the journey of um, the Amazing Race, post Amazing Race, you get into this triathlon world, but did you get into the triathlon world prior to that? Yeah. I. So
1: when I actually moved to New York City, um, I had never run. I, had, I was never a cyclist. I had never swam. I didn't. I, I didn't play collegiate sports. So I, was, I saw a of the podcast inside the huddle. I was like, well, this is cool. I don't know what it's like to be in a huddle because I've never played team sports. Like I was never into sports. <laughs> so yeah, now I feel yeah. like I'm a part of something. Um, but when I had moved to New York City, I like I couldn't afford a gym membership I didn't have a gym membership and it, it was I was going to dance auditions but I was like I need a way to like stay active because I'm dancing for me didn't cut it I wasn't I'm not naturally teeny tiny like that I just like I had to find a way to work out and um, there was this Broadway actress that I had looked up to and I remember she had, was talking about how she was running the New York City Marathon for some charity I was like that's really cool like I was like yeah that's neat. and two weeks after I moved there, my grandmother had actually passed from Alzheimer's. And so I was like, I, I just got like hit really hard by that. Cause she's kind of like the glue that held our family together. And I remember I just had this urge one day to go out and start running. And I remember it was like that first day I had gone on a run. I remember seeing a post from this actress that I followed talking about marathon training. And I was like, I'm going to do that. And I'm like, I don't have no idea how long a marathon even is, but I, I wanted to do that. Um, and I really did, and I had, I googled it, and I was like, holy shit, 26 miles, like, and I was like, I can do it, I'm like, if she can do it, I can do it, and so, um, anyways, no, I had had started running, and I had joined uh, the Athletes for Alzheimer's group in New York City, and I started doing 5Ks on the weekends, and New York has such, like, a a close-knit running community, they've got New York roadrunners out there, and, and everybody's, there's races every weekend. So I was trying, I was running as much as I could. Um, And like, unless you have an entry to New York city marathon, like, you have to pay thousands of dollars to a charity to be able to get that entry. And I'm like, I don't know enough people to raise that much money. And so I was like, the the next best thing to do would be to qualify. And then you didn't have to raise as much money or donate as much money. And so I spent one full year qualifying and then I qualified for the following year. So it it was like a whole three year process leading up to me finally getting to run the New York city marathon in memory of my grandmother and honor of my grandmother. And, um, it was right around that time that we, the amazing race opportunity had started to come into play. Um, and I was also getting ready to move to Los Angeles cause I was like, I need to get out of New York. I need wide open spaces and like the beach and good weather. And, um, and so I had run the New York marathon and I was like, this is cool, but I had I'd kind of, my interest was peaked a little bit from triathlon cause there were some people like you know, in those communities that I was talking about, like cycling and running and that were into triathlon. And I was like, seems cool. Like it's, I, I like a variety. I'm not, this. I don't like doing the same thing every day. And so after we filmed Amazing Race, it was one of the opportunities that came to us. It was a friend of my teammates who um, trains a lot of celebrities in Hollywood and was like, hey, the Malibu triathlon is, in September would you guys like to be on a celebrity relay team um, we can either do you can have your own team and be like the reality team or each of you can race individually on like a team with a celebrity um, and so that was my my first experience at a triathlon I got bullied by Kim into doing the swim because they got another reality contestant from a, or she was actually the host of a show um, to be on our team And so Kim was like, you're swimming because I'm cycling. And then Amy was running. And so that was like, I'd never swam in the ocean before. I was like, fearless. I was like, "Oh, this!" I was just confident and fearless enough, I guess, to just, and excited enough to just like dive on in the ocean. And like, people will not sign up for the Malibu triathlon because they're scared of the waves. And I look back and I'm like, Knowing what I know now, that was not the smartest move, but like, I'm glad I did it because it, when I finished that, I was like, oh my God, I love it. And so the rest is history there. I did that and it was like, I did a, a, the sprint, you know, a month later and then an Olympic distance a couple months after that.
0: That's awesome. Yeah, yeah, the triathlon thing is interesting. So I, years ago, jumped into my first triathlon too, kind of along the same lines of, um, it's Kim, right? asked you to do the race. My, who once once was my business partner, my good friend at the time, this was probably 15 years ago, had approached me at work one day and she's like, Hey, do you want to do a triathlon? And I'm like, sure. And she's like, do you want to do an Ironman? And I'm like my naive self. And I'm like, sure. You know, not really thinking about the fact that I hadn't done a triathlon ever. I was jumping into the single handedly, the biggest one. And but it was fine. You know, you, you build this whole community of people to train with, and you just, you figure it out. But I'll never forget, we got roughly 900 yards into the swim, and both of us go into a straight panic attack. And I'm like, I don't think I can do this. I'm like hanging on to the edge of a boat, and I'm freaking out. And she swims over to me. She's like, we did not train for 11 months to make it 900 yards in the swim. Pull your shit together. Let's go. <laughs> oh, my God. that's so common though panic attacks are a real thing it's a horrible thing especially oh they're terrible
1: they're they're horrific and they happen to the most elite of athletes too and they just you can never have a panic attack ever and then you decide to do a triathlon you've put in the training you've done the work and then all of a sudden it's like yep so did you finish
0: yeah, we finished. I we decided oh. to, the the key we learned was to roll onto the back and sh- do a little backstroke, calm your calm your nerves, pull your shit together, and then carry on. And it was fine. It's like we knew how to swim. We'd been training the whole time, obviously. I learned how to swim when I was four. But yeah, something just went off in our head, and we both panicked. And then, but we had each other, which is always nice when you have somebody to train with or a group of people. I actually did. Um, New York Marathon in 20, well, it was supposed to be the year her, her, um, Hurricane Sandy went through, and I was already there. And they canceled it last minute and all that good stuff. So I actually had the privilege to run with New York Roadrunners, and we did this volunteer effort in um, Stanton Island. So we ran around Stanton Island the day of the race and volunteered our time to you know, help people clean out their basements or whatever it was, because it was such a terrible tragedy of the hurricane going through people just wrecking people's lives so but then I ended up getting to run it a couple years later but I think New York Marathon is single-handedly the hardest marathon I mean it's you go into it with this mindset of like ah, it's, it's New York City I live in Chicago it's flat as a pancake and then I got to New York and you have these bridges that extend for half mile or more and you're running up a six, 7% grade for the entire thing. And you have multiple bridges to run across and then you get into central park at the end and you think you're off the hook. And then, yeah, that, that race is brutal, but one of the coolest races in the world at the same time. So that's cool that you got to run that. So what's your, um, what's, what's next for you in terms of triathlon? Do you have anything lined up now?
1: Yeah, I will, I was supposed to race an Ironman 70.3 back in April. Um, and I, what I've like, I've realized that I'm a much more competitive person than I give myself credit for. And I think that the thing I love the most about the sport is that it's healthy competition. Um, but two years ago, I, I was like, okay, I've done, like with the marathon, right? It was like, I did a 5K, so then it was a 10K, then it was a half marathon, and then it was like gear up for the big marathon. Then I was like, okay, a triathlon, relay, sprint, Olympic, and then I was like, all right, next thing's is the Ironman 70.3. And I remember after I did that one, I was like I, like, I actually, I don't do this for the paycheck. I don't do it for like anything more than the fact that I enjoy it. And that, the 70.3, it was like, I didn't, I don't know. It was like too long for me. Yeah. I, didn't, I didn't enjoy it the way I thought I would. And I even did it in Thailand. Like okay. I... It was a new, it was one of those things I was like, I'm not setting a New Year's resolution. I'm going to set like a goal. And so on New Year's Day, I signed up for a 70.3 in Phuket. And so I, I did that race and it was it's still to this day, one of the most incredible experiences and memories that I have and hold on to but I was like, I, I don't know if I enjoy it. So from there, I was like, what's next for me? Like, I need the next thing. And I'm so I looked back at the Olympic distance race and I was like, I've done really well in some of these and feel like I could be competitive. So I had set a goal. I was like, I really want to qualify for the, the age group world championships. Like, I think it would be really incredible. I'm never going to go to the Olympics, but like, it'd be really incredible to have that opportunity as an amateur athlete to be able to represent my country, you know, and in a way that, you know, um, I enjoy and have fun doing, and and you know, um, and so in 2017, yeah, 17, I trained my ass off, qualified for Worlds. I actually didn't qualify. Here's the funny thing: trained my ass off to qualify for the Olympic distance race. You have to be top 18 to qualify for the sprint race. You have to be top eight. Oh boy, I raced both on in the, in the Olympic on Saturday, the sprint on Sunday, in my age group, I finished 18th for the Olympic, and I finished eighth for the sprint, stop it, and I was like, I was like, oh my god, oh my god, and I was like, sitting there, like, clenching my butt cheeks, literally, because what happens in triathlon is that they have a thing in, in the, like, Olympic distance, it's called ITU, International Triathlon Union, so it's, Separate from Ironman, it's more of like the governing body of the Olympics. Um, mm-hmm. But that they have an, a thing called the age up rule. So like in triathlon, everybody, you race in your age group. So at the time I was 29, but when worlds rolled around, I would be 30. And so I I'd finished 18th in my age group and I finished eighth. So technically I qualified, but then when they applied the age up rule and everybody got shifted to the new age groups, I was two alternates away from qualifying for each race. So like, I didn't actually qualify for Worlds, I qualified for an alternate spot. And then that was in August and later in October, I had gotten the email that I had qualified. Um, Not everybody could go. So um, my goal, then I was, (laughs) time passes. So next, this is a very long winded answer, but um, my next thing I was like, I. You know, I kind of burnt out a little bit after that. And then I was like, all right, what's next? Because that's always the question. And I was like, I think I want to go back to try and do a 70.3 again. And I was like, but if I'm going to do that, I really want to be competitive. Like, I don't just want to go for the experience. I've done triathlons. Like, I really want to train my ass off and go out there and like, try to like leave my mark a little bit. And um, I, I signed up for one last December, trained my butt off. Uh, it got, I I ended up not being able to race because I got super sick in December. I was like the worst cold I've ever had. I was in bed for 10 days. And I was like, all right, I'm going to race the one in April, like in Galveston, my family's going to be there. It's like the temperature should be, you know, favorable. And um, then COVID happened. So they've rescheduled Galveston now to November. And my goal was to qualify in Galveston for the the half Ironman world championships, which would be in New Zealand in November. But we'll have to put that off till next year. So now the immediate goal is, um, if if it happens, the national championships again for the ITU um, in August, which would put me in the world championships for Bermuda next year.
0: Awesome. Sounds like you have a, a lot going on. And we have this COVID situation that's clearly getting in the way of a lot of our plans as you know so have you kind of wrapped your mind around that like these races we I mean we don't know what's going to happen long term with these races and events and concerts and business and you, I mean you name it so how are you prepping yourself for the inevitable situation if something should continue to, if that race should continue to get canceled, like how far out do you focus?
1: I, well, I think the best way to look at it, I'm not a professional athlete. I don't eat, you know, whether or not I have food on the table is not determined by, you know, being out on the field through sponsorships or um, winning races. I simply do them because I enjoy them. And that's what motivates me to, to train every day. And so kind of the mindset that I'm in right now is when it comes to triathlon because of the COVID situation, I, I'm really kind of falling in love with working out all, all over again for myself and doing what I enjoy and really focusing on the things in the immediate that I have control over because I don't know when the next race, they could cancel races for the rest of the year. Mm-hmm. Um, it, I think deep down in my gut, I, I'm like excited to Think that they could be a possibility and that this could be a possibility and it's like that's an ounce of the motivation for me to keep training but um because of covid we, we just don't know so therefore you have to pivot and you can't just you can't stop training but you also like you have to find what's going to motivate you because with the uncertainty a lot of times it's hard to latch on to you know those goals which provide a lot of motivation for a lot of people so it's finding about like, you know, what inspires you and what really motivates you outside of, you know, yeah. that certainty, knowing something's ahead of you.
0: Right. And how are you using that right now in terms of your work? What are you doing? What are you doing while that we're shut down in this situation? How are you handling, paying your bills?
1: Yeah. Um, I mean, right now, fortunately, I'm like in a position where I'm okay okay at the moment. Um, and I'm, I'm grateful. I, as far as being a trainer, I, you know, I go to people's homes, I go to private gyms and things like that. And they're all closed too. So it's like, it's, I'm in this very weird holding pattern. Um, so to say, Mm -hmm. Um, I feel grateful that I don't have a ton of overhead. Um, and I, you know, I think that's, that's what's helping me as far as the bills go. Um, I'm, I still have online clients that I train. And so that hasn't changed much. I think again, going back to like the motivation and the inspiration that has changed, but, um, aside from showing up to the gym, it's kind of business as usual, usual for me. So
0: that's good. That's good. Cause there's a lot of us obviously who, I mean, I was never, One of those trainers that did any online training. So the fact that my entire book has shifted into this whole zoom reality and online coaching and I'm typing out programs like crazy. I mean, I would do that on the normal for my own books, but for people to have to train with me differently it's been a really interesting process now you've been doing online training prior to all of this so which is great for you because it's it's your normal it's not completely shifting your client's um, process too much but do you do you have you learned any or have you experienced any silver lining in all of this you know before this chat started we were talking about community I'd like to hear your piece on that because I'm definitely in a place where our people rely on this gym being open for that sense of community. So how are you sh- helping people shift their mindset from that perspective? Two
1: parts to the, to the answer. <laughs> um, I think when it c- community being one half and the silver lining being another half, I have to be completely honest that like, you know how I I told you in the beginning like I'm a very creative person like I'm always looking for that creative outlet and always looking for um I enjoy making videos I enjoy um I like I just back in right before COVID happened I flew to Hawaii with my mom and I biked to the top of Haleakala um and I was like I really want to make a documentary on this like I want to try and tell my story of doing these adventures because that's my thing like I'm I enjoy triathlon and I enjoy training but like the ultimate purpose behind all of that is to like go out and and like explore and adventure and have enough, you know, have the capabilities to be able to do all of that stuff. And so the silver lining with this whole COVID situation is it's like, I spend so many hours a day driving all over Los Angeles and taking care of my clients and writing training plans that a handful of the creative pieces that I really like to dedicate time to, I, I haven't. And I know it sounds kind of selfish in a way, but like, I have had so much time to really like take this list page upon page of like ideas that I've always wanted to execute. And I've been just blowing through them left that's and right because I have the time and, um, and it's, you know, creative stuff being one half of it, but like the fitness stuff, that's a whole creative piece too. And um, I've had time to create like free resources online. Like I created um, kind of like a nutrition guideline Thing for people because I you're probably the same as me but like I I get fed up with so much confusing bullshit in
0: in the fitness industry yes sister <laughs> when it comes to nutrition I'm like cool it with the products and
1: the diets and the this and the that and everybody's always trying to sell stuff and I'm like I have a free day today I'm gonna make you a 16 page pdf and it's free go download it like it's <laughs> Just simple facts that no one tells anybody, and I'm like, people need to know this, and I have the time to create that and put it out there to help someone now. So, like, it's on my website. Go get it. And then uh, the other thing is like, because I'm into triathlon, a lot of people look to me for advice, training and stuff. And um, there's a lot of people running right now because they don't have access to any any gyms or, or ways to work out. They have no idea what they're doing, so they're like, I'll go for a run. And so a lot of people are like, my knees hurt or my hips hurt or my ankles hurt. And I'm like, I'm like, don't worry, you can still run. There's probably just some things we need to fix. So I've spent the last like two weeks and it was going to start as like a PDF of like couch to 5k, like and me just giving some workouts for people to do to help balance it and things like that. And then it's turned into a whole full blown, like I've created specific workouts and training peaks and like making videos with specific exercise instructions that link out. And like, I went full blown overboard just because I'm like, I feel like it can help so many people. And the silver lining for me is like, I'm being creative. I'm still getting to to connect with people. And I think there's like little, I don't want to say community because it's more of a one-way communication stream at this point of me talking to people, but like I feel closer with a lot of people online than I have before because it I'm like, I'm fine. I finally slowed down enough to be able to like recognize what some people need and, and really be able to like help them in a way that I've never done before. And it's, it's giving me a chance to flex my creative muscle in, the in a, you know, fitness creative capacity or fitness wellness capacity. If that
0: makes sense. That was yeah, a- absolutely. I think that's a great way of putting it. It's almost like, some of us were put on this um, temporary sabbatical to re-engineer our thought process too a little bit, you know, I think going kind of off of what you're saying um, it's, I mean, I've been in the industry a long time and it's forcing me to think differently and be more creative and, and almost becoming a better listener, even to the people who I train on a regular basis and I'm used to seeing them every single day, you know, but now that I can't, it's, changing the way we communicate with people for the long term, which I think is a, is a good thing. It's, it's, we're being more creative. We're doing different types of programming. We're having to think outside of the box because people don't have access to a gym. Yeah. Um, but it is funny what you said about the people who are going out and running and like that's all they're doing. I'm waiting for it when we can open our doors again and there's going to be this whole uptick of people who come in and their backs hurt, their knees hurt, you yeah. know. <laughs> whole nother set of problems to work on because all they did was run (laughs) (laughs) and then the whole food point too it's like whatever happened to the food pyramid like why can't it just be that so complicated Like oh my god all of these diets and shit it's just like so overwhelming when you're on social media and you're reading all of these opinions and whatnot, it's like, whatever. I remember learning the food pyramid in the like second year <laughs> like,
1: like, where does that go? Plate. Like, your carbs, your fats, and your proteins, and like, whole foods, just like.
0: Yes, you're on the side of conservative with sugar. Right. Like, on your whole foods. Yes. Is
1: a so I, things should have become so complicated i'm like i can't deal with it anymore like i have to stay off social media sometimes because i was like i just like i get so emotionally heated from like some of the things that i see and i'm like ah!
0: <laughs> yeah no I, I i wholeheartedly agree with you on that piece so it, it's kind of refreshing to hear someone else's uh perspective on that um yeah. so beyond covid where where are you where are you headed What's, what's your plan of attack once we get out of this predicament?
1: Um, yeah, so <laughs> I, go, I wanted to, to touch base like on something you had just said too. What's yeah. really interesting is, is people are having to think outside the box and be creative. I've actually lost a few clients because of COVID. Yes, because the gym has closed down, but like I was working with them online like for a few weeks and programming their workouts. And like, of course I knew exactly what their workout program looked like. You know, I might only see them in the gym twice a week and I'd advise them for the rest of the week and things like that. But it's so funny because some people, it was like, I was trying to program workouts for them. And then it was like, I noticed after like two weeks, they stopped doing it. And I'm like, what's going on? And they were like, Oh, I went for a hike. And then I did my Peloton and then my kids and I did this. And I'm like, I'm like, you don't need me right now. Like you just don't because you have found movement that you enjoy and knowing them, having worked with them for years. I'm like, you're more active now than you ever were when you were showing up to the gym twice a week, because it has to be this thing, you know what I mean? And so, um, will they come back? I'm, I'm sure everybody wants that communication and that human connection, but like, it's just been really interesting to see what people and like, especially with my clients, how people are motivated and what they're motivated by and what inspires them to move. Because I think a lot of people are realizing that like what they've been trying to force is not meant for them. So
0: totally. There's also, I mean, we've seen it too, from our standpoint, you know, we have this um, in-house PT and she is considered essential. So she's still seeing patients through all of this, but she's not seeing nearly as many one people just don't want to come in. But two, sure. we've had a few people who are doing less. They're doing different things to your point, like same with your client. And they're like, wow, I actually feel good right now. And it's like, yeah, because we've been trying to tell you for two years now, take some time off. Like there's nothing wrong with taking a little bit of time off and letting your body heal. Yeah, Our people are coming in the gym four or five days a week. Same with your clients. They're constantly coming in. And I think that there's this, they come in because they they have to. They have to do the work because they live, you know, stressful lives in their work world. And, you know, so they're tr- always trying to find that balance. And now they're still working. They don't have access to the gym. They've taken some time off. And it's even shifting their mindset a little bit. I think people, I'm hoping more people come out of this feeling recovered than people coming out of this injured because they ran too much. But <laughs> You know, I'm, I'm sure it'll be a 50-50. <laughs> we're gonna see both. That is for sure.
1: I'll be interested to see how many people sign up for their first 5K in the coming you know, <laughs> post COVID. Yeah.
0: I don't know. I think just because people want to get outside, we're gonna see a lot of it. That is for that sure.
1: Is um but yeah, what, what's next for me? So I having worked in the gym for the past two years and been in boutique fitness and everything, the I just I like, my favorite thing is when somebody comes to me and they're like, you did X and because of that, I did whatever, or um, just seeing like people light up from like seeing someone have some sort of, I know I'm speaking very vague right now, but like doing some sort of experience and then them finding their own version of that. I call it Mount Everest, like their own version of Mount Everest, like whatever is that big thing for them to go and tackle. For one person that might be an Ironman, for another person that might just be doing like a 500-yard swim in a relay of a triathlon. You know what I mean? It's their own version of Mount Everest. And being the creative person that I am, my goal this year was to create more content and more um, like professionally produced content. And one of my partners, Maha, which is a new hard seltzer, they, the funny thing is, is like, I, the whole social media world is crazy to me And I recognize that there is the opportunity to work with brands. There is the, the opportunity to partner with people. And, and I'm not talking about like, Hey, I'm going to pay you to post this and you're going to put a post up on the internet. Like that kind of stuff doesn't work for me. And I was like, but I was like, I, I do want to be a part of this because I feel like so many brands are telling stories. They have the ability to support people in their own endeavors and like I'm a creative person. I like taking photos. I like making videos and I like doing it in a way that's going to like, even if it's just a little flicker of inspiration for somebody to like take that first step for whatever it is for them that they want to do. Like I I see the, the, the thread between all of it. And so last year I actually started reaching out to brands. I just kind of made a list of a bunch of brands that I like. And one of the one, the biggest ones was, um, maha so the founder of maha she used she was a former swimmer she went to the olympic trials for swimming got into triathlon and i like she created golden road brewery and it's one of my favorite beers in los angeles and i was like i was like it just be there's like a beer tin at the end of every triathlon and like when you do something cool you always you hit up a pub afterwards and i was like i mean i like responsibly i like to drink you know what i mean and And so I was like, and then I I was researching all these companies and I saw that she was a swimmer and a triathlete. And I was like, I have to email her. So I like reached out to her and I was like, my goal for 2020 is to like create some strategic partnerships with brands who are doing like really cool shit or we're aligned. And she was like, I actually have this new product coming out called Maha. And she was like, you might be interested. And so she connected me with the marketing director at the time. The product wasn't even on the market yet. It just launched in March. And he was like, Maha, you know. The whole story behind Maha is like it stands for greatness and like to be great and their hashtag is never settle and um it's made with like all natural organic ingredients and I was like that's really dope and they're really focused on telling stories and they're focused on like that adventure and like not necessarily like a specific workout or a specific routine but just the all-encompassing of like wellness and like striving for you know the best and Last of life and so I remember I I spoke to him and I told him I was like you know I want to like what he was like so in a a perfect world what would you want to do and I was like well quite frankly like I would love to bike across Europe I would like to swim between islands in Greece I would like to create like my own triathlon and I was like and I want to make like a documentary or like a docu-series about it maybe along the way like we find some local athletes or people who are into like adventure sports or things like that. And I was like, let's tell their story. Like I want to tell those people's stories. And you know, I said in the beginning, I was like, I realized that like this docu series reality has the potential to like really tell people stories that can inspire people. And my whole thing is like, just get people to move, get people to take care of themselves, to be more active. And um, someone who comes from the fitness world, I'm like, I just, I see a way to do it creatively, you know, to take what I know and, and tell stories and be active and like, just go, and plus I just like this shit. You know what I mean? Like, I think that's like, let, yes, let's go swim between islands in Greece. But anyways, I told him all this stuff and he was like, let's do it. And I was like, ah. <laughs> um, but it's like I did, I told you I did the bike in, in Hawaii, Haleakala. Do you know, know
0: about Haleakala? No, I don't actually.
1: Haleakala is a volcano in Maui, but it's, um, if you start right at the ocean in Paia, the north shore of Paia, and bike all the way to the top, it's the longest paved climb in the world. Um, And it's, so you go from sea level to 10,000 feet over the course of 30, it's either 32 or 36 miles, I can't remember off the top of my head, but I was like, I was like, I want to do that. And I was like, I'll, and I hired a video crew to follow me. And so like, I'm in the process of editing that out right now, but, um, what's next for me is just like, I'm going to keep doing the fitness thing and keep training online and, and, you know, really try to help people towards their goals and what they want to do. But, um, my next big endeavor is going to be try to create some content and just see where it ends up and, and try to get my, not only my story and like, how I challenge myself out there, but other people's stories and stuff too. And, um, you know, I'm grateful for Maha because it's like, they want to support that. Like they want to support like people who want to do awesome stuff. And so, you know, working with more companies who want to do cool things and creating videos and media and, um, still racing. That's me. (laughs)
0: Awesome! I love it. I think it's, um, I mean, that's what we do in this industry, right? We want to do as much as we possibly can to also inspire others. And I think that you're doing an excellent job of that. And I, I, have, to, I have to give you a, a high five for um, wanting to work with a brand that's wanting to elevate um, fitness and other people, you know, regardless of the size of the brand, it could be the biggest brand in the world. But it's always, I feel like we as trainers are always looking to partner with brands and sometimes it's very overwhelming because there are so many out there but I like that you're looking at how is it going to translate to motivating other people versus like how is how am I going to win you know like how am I going to get that check you know I think there's so much more to this industry and I, I hope other trainers listen to this and they are inspired to just encourage people that's why we're in this industry you know and I think our ability to be able to even help people through this pandemic is extremely high level. You know, we have the single-handedly the most important role, just in terms of teaching people how to take care of their immune systems, and and um, so I think that that speaks volumes for you as a human and as a trainer. And I'm excited to see where your journey continues to go. That's awesome.
1: We'll see. It's ever, especially with COVID, it's ever evolving right now. But I think just the the silver lining to all of it in the moment is, you know, not only for myself but for everybody, trainers included. It's giving us a chance to see what we're passionate about and like what we're motivated about, and to like put a hundred percent into that. Yeah. Bucket. Like nobody's competing with anybody right now. Nobody. We're all just trying to get through this time period and um it's like honestly it's like a new start line like what it, like when the doors open again what are you going to run at right. you know for me it's like i want to just i want to create those videos i want to create that content i want to partner with companies that have bigger resources so i can help you know like where we are aligned on the same story like we can you can you have the ability to impact more people and at the end of the day for me it's like if anything that i do can inspire people to get up and move and more active and like want to do more of that, you know, and I think everybody has the chance right now to really hone in on what it is that makes them want to just like take off running um, because you, you, you don't have to compete with anybody. You, there is no right or wrong. You just, you need to do what makes you move. And I think in turn that's going to make the people that you come in contact do the same. Right. Right now we all
0: belong to the same gym. Yes. Are <laughs> <laughs> right, we all have in-home I haven't heard that yet. That's a good one. <laughs> Thanks. Um, well, this has been awesome. I'm, I'm excited to uh, see where your career goes and follow you, and I'm, I'm excited to see a little bit more of these documentaries coming out. That'll be yeah, awesome. So um, real quick, though, what was the beverage called? It's a hard seltzer, you said? Ma. Yeah, it's called Maha. Okay.
1: Well, I, what's it- I don't think it's in Chicago yet, but it—I believe it should be. Correct me. Well, you wouldn't know. I'm saying maybe somebody will correct me if I'm wrong. But like I think later in the year it's supposed to be moving, making okay. its way east. Um, but yeah, it's a hard seltzer. It's—I think it's the only of its kind that's organic and it's made with all natural ingredients. And I—I I really like it. Fantastic!
0: I'm gonna have to give it a try. Yes, you will. <laughs> it over here. Well, Allie, I appreciate you coming on today. Um, I'm going to give you a shout out. Your Instagram handle is what? Where can people find you? Allie
1: Forsythe, And then you can also find me on YouTube, youtube.com backslash Allie Forsythe, Or you can go to my website, which is AllieForsythe.com. It's all my name. <laughs>
0: Fantastic. And on one more piece of info, if you had to give your, I don't know, let's say your 10-year-old self advice what would that advice be?
1: This is going to sound so dumb, but it would honestly be like, do what you want to do. Do what you want to do. Because I will keep this very short and simple. I grew up in a small town in Texas and it was like, my dad was a doctor, my mom was a nurse. So it was very like, you go to school, you get a degree, that degree gets you a job and like you find security. And I think I spent many years trying to, have what I knew with like the security piece of things, but also like try and figure out who I am and what I wanted to do when at a young age, if I would have just ran at what I wanted to do, I might be further along in my career right now. So it's, it's one of, you just have to, I mean, if there's something that lights you up and really makes you, like I said before, makes you want to run at it as fast as you can and without a care in the world, then you should hundred percent do that.
0: Boom, mic drop. I like it. <laughs> I completely agree with you, and I don't think it sounds corny at all. I think it's great. Um, I have to say that you that's your
1: gym behind you, right?
0: Yeah, it is. It's so badass. Thanks. Next time, well, I don't know if you've ever been to Chicago, but if you are ever in Chicago, you'll have to stop by. I was and-
1: there three times in twenty eighteen, but I haven't been since.
0: Well, when you do you'll Next have time to, I will be there. You'll have to hit me up for sure. Well, Allie, I won't take any more of your time. I appreciate you coming on today. We'll have to do this again. Um, I hate saying good luck, but best wishes coming out of this. Pandemic. <laughs> I hate the term good luck. Um, and I look forward to seeing more about Allie and, and what you bring to the table down the road in this industry and beyond for that matter. So thanks for coming on today.
1: Yeah, no, thank you for having me. It was awesome. It's a pleasure to meet you.
0: You too. You enjoy the rest of your day. Keep it safe. And we'll touch base again soon. Yes, you too. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to Inside the Huddle. Make sure to tune in again next week.